Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is the 5th of November, 2022, at 9.05 p.m. Walkout of the teacher supports continues. Thank you. gentlemen how is your weekend going so far mine is going I guess pretty good um, yeah so you know um, I don't mind if, if people um, leave comments um, on my site um, just as long as they're not um, distasteful they're not ignorant they're not racist um as long as it isn't disinformation and misinformation um so on and so forth you know i had a listener um on last night's show um leave a couple a couple of messages and um I really, like I said, I don't um, um, like, you know, that the fact that, um, you know, spreading disinformation, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tolerate it, basically. Um, Basically, when it comes, this this listener, basically, when it comes to, um, you know, the vaccine for COVID-19, saying it has um, parasites and feces and toxics. Um, It's just ridiculous. You know, and I've talked about this before, and I've talked about people being media illiterate. Um, Do your fact checking, ladies and gentlemen, you know, and honestly, you know, I've, I've gotten my fourth, my fourth dose of the vaccine and I'm not growing a third eye. I don't have another arm come uh, coming out of my, my, uh, uh, shoulder. I don't, I'm not growing another leg out of my waist. You know, that's not going to happen, you know? And then, uh, the other comment is, is that, um, the individual didn't, you know, see anything wrong with that protest in Ottawa back in, in um, January and February and that the Canadian government are, are criminals and, and felons and whatnot. Um, I've heard, I've heard all that before and that. So um, thing is, is that, you know, I've talked about, um, the Charter Rights and Freedoms, and um, 
your charter rights and freedoms, and it says so in the charter rights and freedoms that your, your, your charter rights and freedoms are not absolute. Governments can impose these mandates and they can impose these restrictions when it comes to a public health emergency, such as this pandemic, stay at home orders, closing businesses, shutting down schools. They did these sort of things back in 1917 with the Spanish flu. Same thing. You know, because if your charter and rights, if your if your charters and rights and freedoms were absolute, then they wouldn't have the notwithstanding clause as well added into that. You know, so Do your homework, really honestly, you know. So anyways, um, of course, this is, um, you know, um, a really difficult time here in Ontario with um, this, um, the, 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 the unions, you know, and the governments, you know, when it comes to um, collective bargaining, um, going on strike. Um, I, I, I mean, I look at both sides and, you know, um, not really one, one sided here, you know, it's, it's really unfortunate that the, the Ontario government chose to use the notwithstanding clause you know, to prevent them from what is their right to strike. And they were in legal position to do that. But I look at it though, but both sides really weren't willing enough, willing enough to sit down and go through the, go through the steps of negotiations until you have exhausted every single avenue and for however long it takes. And then when you still don't come up with a reasonable offer or a reasonable deal, whatever the case may be, then you go on strike. I think everything was really premature. And I, you know, I'm thinking too that both sides are being really immature. And it's really unfortunate that now, you know, the kids, um, again, are not going to be in class. Now, they are holding um, talks, not the unions in, in the government. The government um, is getting the uh, the commission to um, order this in an illegal strike, and if that happens, then every single individual of fifty five thousand support workers for teachers 
could be fined up to $4,000 a day. In the union, $500,000 a day. Is there a resolution anytime coming? You know, um, I don't know. I mean, are they willing to go back to the table and on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Doesn't sound like it, but if the commission orders this an illegal strike, they can order them back to work and they'll have to return to work. Now, <laughs> I said last night I don't I don't believe in the notwithstanding clause, and I and, and I don't believe in it. It, it just it, it shouldn't be there, period. So I did want like we did talk of a little bit about um, you know with this um, this so called uh, freedom convoy you know, slash the uh, Karen, the Karen carnival that took place back in January and February of this year. So when they're talking to this lawyer uh, for, for these protest for these protests, for these organizers, um, he told the um, Ottawa police chief that in his opinion, police did not have the power to prevent a peaceful protest in the downtown core. And the message from the police and others that any Canadian citizen was no longer allowed to walk in the downtown Ottawa area or hold a sign in front of their parliament was not legally accurate and was against the charter Wilson testified Wednesday. I guess he didn't read the charter that well. Because in the charter, it says you cannot impede others and you cannot use blockades. The charter does not protect you. So I guess he didn't read that far into the charter himself. Now, during this time, so when the Federal Emergency Act was invoked, one of the organizers um, invited their lawyer to appear on a TikTok video with him encouraging protesters to stay in the core. The Emergency Act order from the federal government does not restrict Canadians' rights in peaceful assembly, Wilson said in the video, which was entered into evidence at the commission. This was not a peaceful assembly. This was chaos. It was chaotic. It was disturbing the peace. It was disturbing the residents, harassing and intimidating the residents who live in that area. And of course, 
using large vehicles and other objects in smaller vehicles as blockades. Now, so a few days later then, the, uh, the police launched a major operation to arrest and clear the protesters out of the core. And during his testimony, this lawyer was asked whether he was concerned he was encouraging demonstrators to put their own safety at risk in the police operation. And his answer, I'm a Canadian and I never imagined that our government or our federal government would use that level of force against nonviolent, peaceful Canadians. Would you, I mean, there was, there was no violence by the police. They used a large police force presence. to clear them out. Now, I mean, these, pro, these organizers are listening to, you know, their advice of their lawyer who obviously, like I said, has never, as far as I'm currently, he's probably never read the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And that's why I bring it up. And that's why I read it. And I can tell you what it says. Now, we'll have a quick look at that so I have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms right here <clears throat> freedom of a peaceful assembly now Section 2, subsection C, guarantees the right to a peaceful assembly. It does not protect riots and gatherings that seriously disturb the peace at which these protesters and organizers were doing. It does not include the right to physically impede or blockade exactly what they were doing. You cannot harass others, intimidate others. Right? So, 
tell me again that this was a peaceful protest. It was an occupation. And I'm not going to be one bit surprised at the end of the day when the inquiry and for how long it takes for the inquiry to, to come up to the, with the conclusion that this was an occupation. You hear the testimonies of the, of the, uh, the organizers. You heard the protest, uh, the, the, the testimonies of, of, of the police. You know, coming this week, they're going to be talking to people in the, in, you know, the authorities, you know, from Windsor, Ontario, where the blockades were at the Detroit and Windsor crossings into the United States. We're going to hear from witnesses from the uh, Coots Alberta border crossing and so on. And of course, eventually, we're going to hear from the Prime Minister. Thank you for joining me, Carol. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Now, I don't know if you were on my show last night, but I was talking, um, you know, about um, what's going on here, here in Ontario, Canada, um, with the teachers, uh, the teacher support workers. Um, are now have walked off the job. Um, it is now deemed an, an illegal strike um, because the provincial government invoked the notwithstanding clause, part of the Charter Rights and Freedoms, which takes away the rights when it comes to going on strike and that makes it an illegal strike and this is really unfortunate i was never a big fan um, and i'm sure plenty of canadians are, are not a big fan of this notwithstanding clause that is that is in the uh, charter rights and freedoms and you know, they never really, you know, so, you know, the, um, <clears throat> the two sides have never really sat down. I don't think they even sat down even long enough to even negotiate anything. You know, I mean, if, if, if you work in a union, you know, and they're going to, you know, starting having contract talks and you know both sides put in what they're looking for how much you know when it when it comes to raises when it comes to making more money unions always seem to go high and somewhere down the line they you know work out an agreement this situation you know with the teachers union and the provincial government um you know, the union wasn't budging 
you know, they wanted something like 11.75% work, what works out to uh, $3 and 25 cents an hour more every year for four years. It works out to something like 25, 26 billion dollars in wages. We have 55,000 um, teacher support workers. And that's your librarians, that's your custodians, that's the early childhood educators, and so on. You know, to help children in the classrooms. The government wanted the, the union to take the, the, their uh, strike mandate off the table. This was before they invoked the notwithstanding clause. Well, they were in legal strike position. So why would they do that? Why would they say, okay, we're not going to strike. And then what kind of a deal are you going to offer me? Right, but we're going to offer you this deal. So the government said, you know, we'll offer you this deal and you're not going to strike. Who's going to do that? No one is going to take the strike mandate off the table when you're in legal position to do that. So then that's when the government, the Ontario government tabled the notwithstanding clause, which now prevents them from going on strike, right? They walked off the job yesterday. Schools are out. There'll be no schools coming Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was going to get that far. The government has taken it uh, to the uh, to the commission, and now it's up for the commission to determine, you know, um, whether or not this is an illegal strike. And if it is determined, then they will have to go back to work. And the government and the unions are just going to have to sit down and somehow work this out. Right? We're supposed to be adults. Right? We wear the big boy pants now. We're out of diapers. And we should be able to sit down and talk. You know, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I can't believe, first of all, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the first time that the, that the notwithstanding clause was used by provincial governments. In fact, it's been used 11 different times. So, man, it's just, it's just so chaotic. I mean, it's just, it is, it is just so ridiculous.
you know, everybody, I mean, not everybody is, is on both sides here. You know, not everybody is for the, the uh, teacher support workers. And not everybody's for the government, for the provincial government. You know, but this, this, how or even why, you know, when they, when they redid the Constitution of Canada, it was something around 1988, possibly, I think, um, and changed it to the, the Charter Rights and Freedoms. And... The, the premiers of every province and territories wanted this notwithstanding clause. Which means <clears throat> section 33 of the Charter Rights and Freedoms is commonly referred to as the notwithstanding clause. Its function is to prevent a person from bringing an action in court claiming that a law violates fundamental freedoms legal rights or equality rights and therefore is invalid. So the unions can't even take this to court because it's notwithstanding. And why do we have this notwithstanding clause? So when the charter was drafted, federal and provincial lawmakers were divided on including section 33 in the charter. Its supporters believed the clause would protect democracy by giving elected law uh, elected lawmakers control over important issues and preventing the unelected judges from having too much power. And those opposed, including the prime minister, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, that's Justin Trudeau's father, which Justin Trudeau now is Prime Minister of Canada, thought that the clause could jeopardize the Charter's purpose of protecting individual rights against the government. Supporters included provinces such as Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, and they were worried the Charter would limit their powers to make necessary laws. You know, like like um, I said before, the, uh, the the premier of Quebec, he used the notwithstanding clause when it came to uh, people um, who wore um, religious attire, working for the government, public sector, whatever like that, that they cannot wear their religious attire. And I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. He's used it on uh, implementing um, that even English speaking schools in Quebec now have to have so many hours of French in their curriculum. 
and um, students will have to write their final exams in French. He's saying he wants to protect the French language. Well, there's plenty of other ways of protecting the French language, and you don't need the notwithstanding clause. You know, this is because they they use this notwithstanding clause because they know they're going to get a lot of pushback. And they don't want that. They want to, if they want to push that law, then the, the, the premiers are going to use the notwithstanding clause. So the notwithstanding clause is rarely used. Governments typically invoke it when they have a, a powerful public policy reasons to justify it. The clause can only be used for laws that affect fundamental freedoms in section two of the charter, such as freedom of expression or freedom of religion, legal rights in section seven through to 14, and such as the right to life, liberty and security and equality rights in section 15. Now here's one example of a government, this was the Alberta uh, in 2000, tried to apply the clause to override same-sex marriages in the province. The Supreme Court had ruled that same-sex marriages was constitutional, but the Alberta government did not want to follow this decision. Therefore, they added the notwithstanding clause to the, to the Alberta Marriage Act to make it clear that marriage should only legal between a man and a woman. However, the use of the notwithstanding clause would likely have been found to be invalid because marriage is not in provincial jurisdiction. Only the federal government can decide what marriages are legal. So they, they, they try to use it for, for things like that. So when a government decides to use the notwithstanding clause, it must clear, clearly state that its law will operate despite its potential to violate sections of the charter. your right to strike. Of May 2017, the notwithstanding clause has been used 17 times by the governments of Quebec, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and the Yukon. It, you know, it, it's absolutely crazy. You know, so there's one Saskatchewan added the clause to protect strike ending les legislation in 1986. The government used the clause because they thought the law forcing strikers back to work would violate freedom of association. 
However, the clause was removed when the Supreme Court said that the law would not affect charter rights. In 2017, Saskatchewan, uh, the premier, announced his decision to use the notwithstanding clause to protect school choices for students and parents regardless of their faith. The premier announced that in response to a Saskatchewan court decision that would probably jeopardize the, f- the funding for non-Catholic students who attended Catholic schools. And using the notwithstanding clause will allow the province to continue funding students regardless of their faith and the school choice. They didn't even need to use it. Alberta. Um, try to use the clause to limit compensation to victims of a forced sterilization program. Forced sterilization sterilization had infringed the, the victim's right to life, liberty, security of the person. However, the proposed bill was withdrawn due to public protest against it. So the government didn't want to pay compensation to the to these people I'm talking and this and this uh, the sterilization this was sterilized uh, sterilization on indigenous women. And they wanted and you know <clears throat> they wanted um, compensation so they tried to use it the notwithstanding clause so they didn't have to pay compensation. I just, I mean, just stupid things, you know. So the Prime Minister of Canada, you know, really gave Doug Ford a a tongue lashing, you know, about using the notwithstanding clause to strip your rights away and not being able to strike. This, you know, you know, we just had a spring election, you know, back, we had the the spring election, obviously back in the spring and Doug Ford's conservative government won by a landslide. And when you start using this notwithstanding clause you know, the, the, the fundamental rights of, of, of unions and, and choice to go on strike to be stripped away from you. This is really going to fall on his lap three and a half years from now. I won't be surprised if he doesn't win another election. Because this notwithstanding clause, when he invoked this notwithstanding clause, they, the government, impose a contract onto the workers and it stays in effect for five years. You know, it's 
you know, absolutely stupid, you know, because the government is not getting their own way. You know, I mean, yeah, negotiations, negotiations can be tough. But it's something that both sides have to stick with. They have to come up with some sort of an agreement. I've seen it with the school teachers where they walked off the job and the government, the, the provincial government would use um, legis uh, legislation and order them back to work. And then they have to resume the contract talks. We're not using the notwithstanding clause. It's an abuse of power for things like this and things that I just told you about. It's only to be used in, you know, really extraordinary circumstances. You know, it's like the Federal Emergency Act. When the federal government invoked the Federal Emergency Act back in, in, in February to clear those protesters out of the city of Ottawa that they, you know, um, were there for three weeks. For things like that, I can, I mean, even, you know, even the federal government has not ever used the notwithstanding clause, not once. You know, federal employees, you know, if they were to walk out, go on strike and, you know, they have in the past and the federal government's never invoked the notwithstanding clause. It's too easy. It's too easy for, you know, the premiers across all the provinces and the territories to reach into their tool bag and pull out the notwithstanding clause because they don't get their own way and they throw their tantrum and they pull the notwithstanding clause. This is ridiculous. So at the beginning of my show, um, so I had, uh, you know, a few listeners last night and, um, one listener left a couple of comments, um, on my show and I don't mind if people, you know, leave a comment or whatnot, as long as it is not, uh, derogatory, a lot of it's not racist, not hateful, um, you know, things like that. Um, I really dislike misinformation and disinformation as this listener, um, in her comments 
um, did use disinformation, you know, when it comes to um, the vaccine. Um, another one that's the, uh, she said that, you know, I talked about, um, because there's, there's a, 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 an inquiry um, going on uh, being held in Ottawa um, because it is law whenever the government, and this was the very first time ever in the history of the Federal Emergency Act was used. It replaces the, the Emergency War Act back when Trudeau's father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, used it in 1970. Because in Quebec there was violence and he enacted the, the War Act. But this Federal Emergency Act replaces that. So this was the first time ever it was put into use. So they have to hold, they legally have to hold um, an inquiry to determine whether it was necessary. Now, you can you can go you can go on on um, YouTube and you can search um, the inquiry into the use of the Federal Emergency Act here in Canada, and you will be able to see and, and hear. Um, a lot of the testimonies, you know, from from the uh, from the RCMP, from the Ottawa Police Services, from the Ontario uh, Provincial Police, you'll hear testimonies from the from the organizers of this so-called Freedom Convoy, and so on. Coming this week, they are going to have um, people. Uh, from from Windsor, Ontario, because of the blockade at the border between um, Ontario and Michigan. And they're going to have people um, from uh, Alberta, Coots, Alberta, where they also had the blockade at that border crossing. And we're going to, you know, hear and find out what their take is and you know what their opinion is you know could there have been other methods used did the government need to invoke the federal emergency act we have a lot of yays and nays I, you know, from, from, from the get-go of all this, you know, back in, in uh, late January, you know, because, you know, the whole thing, it was about a, a bunch of things. I mean, the, the, the first, you know, two years uh, of going through this pandemic, you know, it was difficult. It was difficult for a lot of people. Difficult probably for all of us. You know, and then uh, I guess, you know, for, for some, you know, uh, like with these organizers and stuff like that, 
Uh, so, you know, the federal government uh, mandated that all federal regulated industries um, would have to be vaccinated in order to, you know, for, you know, Canadian, so Canadian truckers or, or other essential workers that was crossing back and forth between Canada and the United States, because for the majority of the time, they were, they were the only ones allowed to cross back and forth between Canada and the United States, you know, for obvious reasons, the trucking industry. So I guess, you know, one of the comments of one of the, of the uh, um, organizers of the so-called Freedom Convoy took the stand and he said that was basically what broke the camel's back, the straw that broke the camel's back. <clears throat> Protesting is one thing, right? Because that's our, our right. That's our fundamental right to protests. If we have grievances, but we think what the government is doing and we don't like it, we can protest. And you know, when it comes, you know, when it comes, like when it comes to the provincial government, you know, the provincial government, uh, Queens Park, Toronto. So if people don't like what they're doing, they'll go to Queens Park and protest. They don't like what the federal government's doing. They'll go to Ottawa, Ontario, which is the capital of Canada, and they'll protest in front of Parliament. Peaceful with their signs and their slogans, walking around, marching, chanting what they're what they're protesting about. And then they go home. When you listen to the testimonies from the police and, and the organizers and, and, and whatnot, you know, it, it comes very clear that this is what they said this is what they set out to do. They set out to occupy. I mean, they had their rolling protest across the country and from other areas, you know, from Ontario and out of Quebec and, and everything else like that, you know, the, the rolling protests, you know, all legal, everything's all fine with that. But here is, here is the problem when you, use a protest and you use large vehicles and other objects and small vehicles and it's like that. Um, as a blockade, as an occupation. See, trucks and other vehicles and other objects don't have charter rights and freedoms. 
Only people do. Now, under Section 2, Subsection C, guarantees the right to a peaceful assembly. It does not protect riots and gatherings that seriously disturb the peace. So gatherings that seriously disturb the peace. Example, the air horn blowing day and night. The intimidation and harassment. It has been stated that the right to freedom of assembly along with freedom of expression does not include the right to physically impede or use a blockade. of whatever you're going to blockade with large vehicles, cars, other objects. I was reading a comment, um, the, the lawyer for these, uh, organizers, you know, he, when he took the stand, he believed that the police and in the government didn't have the right to come in and remove them. In his statement, this was a peaceful assembly. Now, this is not rocket science. If you or anybody was following this, you could plainly see that this was not peaceful because they were infringing and disturbing the peace. And they did physically impede. They did physically harass and intimidate the residents. And using a blockade. Now, if they had just came there for the weekend stayed till Monday, went home, everything would be kosher. That was not their intention. And if you look up, you can look up their, their, um, um, comments and, and stuff like that. You can, you can see there, you can see, you can see their, their questioning. You can hear, what they had to say, and it's just absolutely ridiculous that people think that they can infringe and harass and intimidate 
others. Now, another organizer, you know, um, when the Federal Emergency Act was invoked, you know, did she not get the message that it was time to leave? She felt like she didn't have to when the Federal Emergency Act was invoked. You can see her during her arrest telling the protesters to hold the line. In other words, meaning don't move. Yes, we do have the right to have a peaceful assembly. I mean, what else do you bring to a protest? I mean, protesters generally, I mean, they they bring what they're going to protest about. They have their signs. They have their slogans. What unfolded and what this these, these protesters and organizers uh, were bringing, you know, bringing the big tent, bringing makeshift stages for entertainment, bouncy castles and hot tubs. Now, does that sound something like you would bring to a protest? Not me. So, and this is why, you know, when I talk about something like this and, you know, I, you know, I am looking at the Charter Rights and Freedoms. And in the first section um, of the of the Charter Rights and Freedoms, it says that your rights and freedoms are not absolute. And point made by provincial governments using the notwithstanding clause to Take your right away to strike. Your fundamental right to strike. You being not absolute, meaning that if the government, then the government has to prove reasonable without any doubt when it comes to mandates and restrictions such as we went through during this pandemic when it becomes a public health crisis 
they can limit your rights and freedoms. I don't know what part of that people don't understand. I don't, I don't know what part of that they don't get. Seems to me that some people just take their rights and freedoms for granted. And I bet you they never even looked at the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And if they have, they just pick out stuff that just applies to them. They'll just look at it and say, oh, yeah, the right to, uh, the, to, the, the, the right to, um, the right to protest. Yeah, I have the right to protest. Perfect. So I need to know. Legal protest or an illegal protest? I guess they don't understand either one. Maybe. I don't know. Thinking this was a, a peaceful, loving, caring, hugging event. Never mind you infringed on other people's rights. Never mind, you know, they, they turn around and say, well, impede what? Intimidation, harassment. Disturbing the peace. You just can't go out on any given day and disturb the peace. There's limits here. You can't have your house stereo blaring out in the backyard till four o'clock in the morning. The police are going to come and charge you. And they're going to clear your house. And the party's over. If they don't understand the limits, if they don't stand the laws, and, and they don't stand, they don't understand what is legal and what's not. Maybe they should have done their homework. We've seen plenty of peaceful assemblies over the years. One of the organizers, this was back in October 2021, they got something like 100 trucks from Alberta, drive across Canada to Ottawa to protest about the oil and gas in Ottawa. One of the organizers that helped organize this one 
and they stayed for the weekend and they went home. What was different about this one? When you have over 500 trucks, thousand other vehicles, tens of thousands of people, what was different about it? Well, I mean, you had these organizers who, um, comes from, I guess, you know, one, one is a, a, a separatist. Um, two of them are, were like, uh, like I wouldn't, I guess I could say blogger. I wouldn't even say bloggers. They, they had YouTube channels and couple of them out there, they were um, being very racist. You had from other different types of groups, not very nice groups also. Of these organizers. See, it started with two truck drivers, an idea. But when the when the when uh, a a fringe of certain groups, you know, they hop on the back of the truckers for their own political agenda. Oh, we're here to support the truckers. No, you're there for your own agenda. This is why it became so chaotic because they had different groups of people from all over and not one of those groups could even tell others what to do. They want to try to keep emergency lanes open. Other groups weren't for that, saying we're not fucking moving. We're staying put. It was a shit show, ladies and gentlemen. Disorganizing, dis- disorganized havoc. unbelievable and if they weren't seriously disturbing the peace then I don't know what the hell they were doing then because they sure in the hell were and they were also physically impeding 
residents harassing, intimidating, and using their large vehicles and vehicles as blockades. That, my friends, is not a protest. That is an illegal occupation, and there's no other way to put it. So this inquiry has a long ways to go still. This is only tomorrow, I believe, will be the 17th day. And there's probably another 20 more days to go. Still a lot more people to take the stand. The prime minister will be one of them, maybe not this week, but soon. He will be taking the stand and he will be answering questions of why he thought it was necessary to invoke the Federal Emergency Act. And if you watch these videos on YouTube, and if, if for some reason, you know, you can't justify it, that's fine, whatever. But it's not that difficult to figure out that it was an illegal occupation. We'll have a lot more to talk about because I, I, you know, I would, you know, because the one, the one blockade at the Alberta Coots border crossing, I think there's something like four people are being charged with weapon offenses. They had weapons in the trailers of these trucks, ammunition and body armor. And they're being charged with attempted murder on police officers. And people support this bullshit. They think this is okay. There's a lot more that was going to come out. A lot more. And I'm not surprised to what I've been hearing already especially from the organizers. Think out of the six so far, four on the stand crying. They were crying. I mean, they were looking for sympathy. They sure in the hell wasn't getting it from me. And if the truckers... The ones, I mean, they, they chose, they, they, you know, they chose not to get vaccinated. And they wanted you to believe that they could no longer work because they couldn't cross the border. And so the government took my, away my job. I've been in this industry for three and a half decades. 
There has never been a shortage of work. We have truck drivers that run across Canada domestic. The same with the truckers in the United States. You have thousands of truckers that never cross the border. They work domestically. So they want you to believe that now they can't work. And soon after the Canadian government made that mandate for truckers and other essential workers to be vaccinated in order to return back into Canada so they didn't have to self-isolate for 14 days, the United States, I think it was something like a week later, that anybody coming out of Mexico into the United States or Canada into the United States via land borders, it'd have to show proof of vaccination. See, all our federal mandates have been lifted. All of our provincial mandates have been lifted. The federal mandates were lifted on October the 1st last month. So these protests or organizers figured they're gonna, they were going to be there from last January all the way to October. And still today, anybody entering the United States via the land border has to show proof of vaccination. And that's the American side nothing to do with Canada. So these truckers still can't cross into the border, cross into the United States, unless they're vaccinated. Still today. They had accomplished nothing, nothing, all for naught. Then I was reading an article the other day and uh, health professionals, healthcare professionals here in Ontario you know, um, of course, you know, flu season is going to be upon us. We still have COVID. And now there's this other respiratory infection going around in children. Not just here in Canada, the United States, other places. We have a healthcare crisis not just here in Ontario, but across Canada. And there were the, 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 these medical, these professional medical uh, people are, are um, you know, calling on, you know, the, the Ontario government to maybe um, reinstate mask wearing in public buildings. 
They have it in hospitals. They have it in retirement homes. They have it in nursing homes. They have it in other medical buildings, not mandated by the government because those mandates have been lifted. These are mandates from the places I just mentioned. The health units and the top doctors in those health units, they don't need for the the provincial government to mandate wearing masks in public buildings. The health unit can mandate it. And people, what are they going to do? now act like they did because a a top doctor mandates it. What might come back and, 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 and today, you know what I, I went, I went to the nursing home today to, to visit. And I had to show that I was vaccinated. It's not mandated by the government. That's the rules of the nursing home. And you have to do a rapid COVID test. Hospitals across, you know, all across Canada, not just here in the province of Ontario, have outbreaks, nursing homes, retirement homes. I don't know what's going on this with this res, this respiratory infection that kids are getting, and, and that, and you know, um, part of the the healthcare crisis that we're having here is that everybody's going to the emergency department. You know, and for a non for a non emergency, it's something like a twenty two hour wait. for a non-emergency. And they're asking us, go to your family doctor, go to a walking clinic, call the Ontario Telehealth, and they'll be able to help. There's, there's still doctors, family doctors, your general practitioner, uh, 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 practitioner They won't see their patients in person unless it's absolutely necessary. But they're they're, they're calling on the doctors, the family doctors, 
to see their patients in person. Because they can wear the they can wear the gown, they can wear the mask, they can wear the face shield, they can put on the gloves. Just like they're doing in the hospitals, just like they're doing in in, in the nursing homes. I won't be too surprised if mask mandates come back and with the flu and whatever this other respiratory infections that kids are getting, I won't be too surprised if they start putting limitations on gatherings. I may not be too surprised if if they turn around that, you know, in order to, you know, go to a movie that you might even have to show your vaccine passport, go to a rest, you might have to show, you know, I wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So we're just going to have to wait to see what's going to take place. You know, and yes, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to follow up on, you know, these other testimonies that are coming in next week to hear what they have to say. You know, something like 65, 65 to 70 people are going to be taking that stand in the inquiry. Because inquiry minds want to know. But thank you for joining me this Saturday evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's always a pleasure to have you out here. Now, just a reminder uh, with Podbean that starting tomorrow night at 10 p.m. until I think it's 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Monday morning that they are doing maintenance. So the app and, and everything, like even what I'm doing right now, the podcast will not be available between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. Monday morning. So enjoy the rest of your weekend and enjoy the rest of your upcoming week. And of course, as things keep moving forward in this um, inquiry, there will, there will be things that I'll want to talk about for sure. Absolutely. So, um, Next weekend, we'll be back out here on the Truckers Podcast. And that will be Saturday. So I was going to do one this morning, but I forgot I had a driver's meeting. I had to go to at 8 o'clock or I would have done one this morning. So um, next Saturday morning, 
you know, um, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, that's when I'll do my next show. And, of course, this is the weekend that the clocks go back one hour. Early Sunday morning. So, if you have a clock on the wall, don't forget to change it. Your cell phones and any other electronics that have a time on it will automatically do it for you. So, don't forget to do that. Of course, it's fall season. It's, you know, set the time back one hour. It's fall back, spring forward, whatever. I don't even know why we're using that anymore. But... We are, and, you know, we get an extra hour of sleep tonight. So, until then, until next Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, take care, be safe. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host of Ontario, Canada. Good night, everybody.